Why, when you add something to your Amazon wish list, can you not at that point set the priority? What do you mean? When you add it, it, oh, should, yeah, add, it I, should be like, you've added this. Now, do you want to change anything about the details of it? Instead, it's like, good job, asshole. And then I'm like, oh. It should, if anything, it should just take you at least straight to your page. I don't know why it takes you to some bumper page that says, hey, you've added this to your list. Good job. Good job. Well done. And then if you want to go to the list to adjust the priority, you just click on the little link from there. But at least just go straight to the, my list page. Well, at least they fixed the thing. Remember how it used to be like if you added something that was already on the list, it was like, all right, well, fuck you. And then you couldn't find it on the list, so like delete it or change it or anything. But now they, add, they bump it to the top if you do that, which is nice. Um, the something I've discovered, the rare occasion when someone buys something from your list and it decides they don't want to give it to you, mm -hmm. really sucks because suddenly it's not on your list anymore. <laughs> oh, really? When they buy something from your yeah, list but then actually don't actually give it to you? That happened to me this last Christmas. <laughs> uh, but it was something very generic. It was like Toy Story 3. And they apparently decided that, you know, they're like, oh, you know, I have enough presents for Logan, so let me give this Toy Story 3 to someone else. And so when I went to, like, then later on at some random point I went to purchase items and it was there. I was like, hold on, wait, this, you, why is it here now? And so I had to move it back. That's so. funny. I wonder if that's ever happened to me. That's it might have to get items to disappear from your list without you knowing about it. There it is. That would be... Well, I never even considered that as an option. I, there's no well, real way yeah. for Amazon to, to address that. Exactly. No, I, I don't expect them to. And for, honestly, you expect... I mean, why else would someone buy something from it? And, but, you know. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, I'm sure you saw the 400 different editions of Tron Legacy coming out. I did. Uh, but the, uh, which is kind of funny. The, uh, the box set's super cool, but it would only be cool if you were actually getting something. You're just getting the same movie and the same special features on every single disc for the most part. Um, but the, uh, they are re-releasing Tron, of course. Um, but I didn't say this in that article. Uh, if you look at some of this, it's like packaged with the Blu-ray. Mm -hmm. But there is a, they are releasing a super awesome two-disc version, just like the 20th anniversary edition, but with more bonus features as well. So we basically predicted that correctly, of them waiting. Yeah, oh, no, no, yeah. But they're totally not advertising that. It's like it was like hidden on Amazon for the most part. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's weird that they're, the version that's coming with the Blu-ray or whatever is really just the movie Tron. Um, there's, you don't get any of those super awesome special, special features. So Milky or Disney really is like milking this in milky. every way possible. I was, uh, I was combining Disney with Milky, yes. That's awesome. Well, but you are paying for the format. I mean, you're it's just all the, you're paying for the different options, like the Blu-ray plus the digital copy plus the DVD copy. It's whatever you know. At least they're making those options available to you, like you said. Yeah. No. I, you know how we are. In the end, I you're not going to complain. We're all about as many options as possible, mm -hmm. right? Um, but the whole Disney, this is just the extreme of what they've been doing when they released their, uh, like, you know, Tangled's coming out now. You can buy the DVD or the Blu-ray, or you can buy our DVD Blu-ray digital combo pack. Yeah. And you think about that, you're like, okay, you know, that's cool. I'm glad it's there, and it's an option and everything. But, like, I'm only going to, obviously everyone's into one format for the most part. Mm -hmm. And so, I, I don't know, my, if I decide, if I'm in the DVD and I buy the DVD, and later on I get a Blu-ray player, it's cool because I guess I have the Blu-ray, but at the same time, like, I could just watch the DVD on the Blu-ray player, too. Well, see, what you're forgetting about is laptops, Logan. That's where this market really comes to bear. It's like, yeah, I bought the Blu-ray, but my laptop doesn't have a Blu-ray player. Now, that's only going to be true for the next, I don't know, couple of years because the laptops will start having Blu-ray players automatically. It's true. And will we reach a point when they could just put the digital version on the same disc? Is the other ones, or is that never going to be possible? Well, the only reason it's not possible now is because your computer probably doesn't have a Blu-ray drive, so you can't get the digital version uh, for that disc. Okay, that does make sense. Bung, bada bing, bung, bung. Anyway, Critical End episode 82.
cherry grape stuff. It's really good. Cherry? Wait, I've never heard cherry grape as a combination for a I know, neither did I. It's actually, it's Welch's. It's 100% juice. Oh, it's juice. It, okay. Um, it's the fact that it's the, they mix cherry and grape together was amazing, I thought. That's Not, still... It's like white grape and cherry. I'm like, hmm. That's still unusual, but I thought you were talking about a soda. But that actually sounds really good. No, it is. Especially I, I white grape. Um, well, Ryan, it's a slightly different show this week. How so? We're paying some... Uh, some Russian tr- prostitutes. Some Russian prostitutes to reenact the show as Logan and Ryan. Okay. So here they are doing last week's show. And then Logan says... It's weird that, that you are also a Russian prostitute. That doesn't sound like real Russian. I'm not sure we no. paid. We got what we paid for in that. <laughs> I think they are prostitutes, though. Right. No, that's clear from their actions. I've seen that. Uh, we uh, A while back, we hosted a contest okay. where that if you went on and left us a positive, glowing review on iTunes, um, the subject, Logan Rocks the Jukebox, mm-hmm. um, you would, we would do whatever, for the most part. <laughs> yeah, we'd be sexual <laughs> slaves. Hence, <laughs> Russian prostitutes. Um, and in the past, uh, we've given out uh, signed CDs of people that weren't us um, and things like that. But this year, this time, it really was just, hey, whatever you want, we'll do it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, someone with the username Twilight Eyes, who we later found out was Ben, or Benjamin as he's listed in his email. Hi, Ben. Um, hi, Ben. Has requested, uh, he says, uh, a few things first of all, uh, Ryan. Okay. Uh, we'll get around to the actual show part last year, but first up, uh, let's address some of his things that he wants. All right. Uh, apparently, he lost a lot of sleep over this. <laughs> lost a lot of weight. Everything's lost going really weight, looking good. Sleep. He's been he jogging drank, lately. He does say he drank a lot of coffee, so there might have been some weight loss there. Okay. Um, and he dis- has decided after all these sleepless nights that he wants his winnings to be threefold, okay? Oh, this is greedy. Just, our I listeners know. are so greedy. Well, I think we need to stop holding open contests. <laughs> or we just say whatever the hell you want. We could have, when you think about it, we could have had to owe him lots of money. <laughs> oh, man. Um, Never mind, it worked out. I guess we'll just stick with this. It, it, actually, it kind of didn't, because his first request oh. is already off the cuff. Uh, apparently, uh, his first and foremost ride, this is his first request, and we hate to kind of turn him down this. Um, and he doesn't. He doesn't. He wouldn't love this request. He would quote absolutely love a critical end coffee mug. Oh yeah. Now, uh, Ben, the only two critical end coffee mugs in existence are the ones Ryan and I use on this show. I fill my uh, mug with white and white grapes and cherry. I didn't know that there was actually a Welch's product I could get. I just filled them with grapes and cherries. But now I'll, I'll just get that. <laughs> you gotta just squish it with your right. fist during the show. Uh, That's that noise. I always wondered about that. I take it out in post. Pervert. Um, I. Uh, it's this is yeah whatever we're drinking the show is always in these two mugs, um, they're full of Logan Ryan cooties. Yeah. Um, so you probably don't want them. However, uh, you know I guess uh, I can. Uh, I have a styrofoam cup here. I can write with love critical end on it. <laughs> From Russia to critical end. <laughs> Send it your way. Would you like me to add something to the cup for you, Ryan? Well, I'm actually kind of thinking about this now. Hold on, let me uh, do some quick online legwork this here. Is funny. Because we specifically said we'd not be able to do this. Uh, we're, we're not. We're not. Uh, However... is having a change of heart, so who knows? You might end up with something. Should we give our listeners a secret URL, Logan, where they could maybe get something kind of close to what they're asking for here? What would that be, Ryan? Uh, if you go to shop.cafepress.com slash lazy-bear-productions... It's still there. You will find our old Lazy Bear Productions online store that we have not updated uh, for quite some time. Apparently, I, I have not looked at this um, forever, See, and apparently uh, there are only four items on this store now for some reason, but no, one of them oh. is the Jumbo Lazy Bear coffee mug. 
Oh, really? Yes. Let's um quickly uh, slap up a critical end JPEG um, and upload that there. Because I think that's pretty much all you have to do to get that on that mug. I refuse to do any work. No, no, so do I. Um, <laughs> so it, yeah, I know. You can copy it from our site and upload there if you want. Yeah, to. good point. You can start your own Cafe Press store and get the, all the mugs you want. <laughs> but we still all, want all the money from it. Maybe we should trademark some of our <laughs> Nah. <stuff. laughs> um, no, it's weird that's up because not too long ago, if you remember, Ryan, they sent us like a severance check. They said, here's 13 bucks. we've closed your shop, or you closed your shop or something. Did remember they? that? Did they do that? They really did. And I was like, Ryan, I got 13 bucks from Cafe Press because um, it's still registered the old Lazy Bear offices, which is my apartment. Right. Um, and you said, well, okay, Logan, go cash a check or whatever. Who cares? I don't want the money. Oh, I did say that. I go down to the bank, and they're like, um, Ryan, the Georgie has to be here. So I call you. I'm like, Ryan, you need to fly in so I can get my 13 bucks. Uh-huh. Say, okay, give me 130 for the plane ticket. Yeah. So I give you 130. Right. Fly in. I remember we all this. Played video games for like a week. Remember that? <laughs> it was really mm-hmm. awesome. You went back. I still have the check. Um, so I'm going to give you another 130. Fly in. I got to catch this 13 bucks, Ryan. Uh, well, first of all, I will do that. Okay. Uh, second of all, I found a second URL, which Uh-oh. apparently is www.cafepress.com slash sk slash lazy bear all one word that actually Just is the full online store with all the other stuff we had up there so all this stuff is still here how's that possible i'm pretty sure we did shut that down i, I think so we, too. No, i know what we did we removed our credit card or our bank information yeah that's right so i, I wonder so, what happens if people try to buy this yeah thing. Don't, don't buy anything there because it's going to some guy in china oh go for it i say the property of lazy bear athletic shirt is still on here remember that yeah that's pretty funny stuff. No, I have plenty of people uh, who uh, have those. Like, I know plenty of people who have those. Really? Some of that stuff, yeah. He's got the Wanda tattoo. I forgot all about this. Yeah, good stuff. Throwing like a girl since 1990s. I was pretty clever. We were, we were pretty awesome back yeah. then, like to say. Uh, so we'll get back to that. Um, anyway, so that's as close as you're going to get to merchandise related to us. We got a lot of ground to cover here, so let's move on, mm-hmm. Ben. Sorry. Uh, we'll get back to you about the mug, though. Styrofoam cup will head your way. Uh, it might get crushed in the mail. I don't know how you pat a styrofoam cup. Honestly. Probably with styrofoam. Um, that's what I was thinking. If you do that. Um, two, uh, second rhyme, he wishes to be dubbed the number one Critical End fan of all freaking time. I added on the all freaking time part. I don't know why that tickled me, but please continue. Um, uh, you know, I think we could, we could grant him that. <laughs> we can't give him a mug, or we're making him go online, upload his own <laughs> Critical End image, and buy his own mug. <laughs> Some guy I, in Mongolia. Then I think that yeah, we can we can dub him the number one fan. I don't even think it's a, if it's it's a much of a concession. I believe that Ben probably is the number one Critical End fan. Uh, and if anybody oh. wants to challenge uh, that, please write oh, in. Man. If we can get two fans to fight, we can tape it and put it on YouTube. <laughs> so yes, the if there's another fan out there who challenges Ben to a duel, email us, mm-hmm. and we'll converse for you guys back and forth on the show. Okay. Yeah, Logan will take one side. I'll take the other, and we'll fight for you like point counterpoint. Logan, you, you know, ignorant I'll- slut. I was about to make the joke. I was to say some guy's name Steve uh, writes in, and so after you play Ben, I'll be like, uh, <laughs> uh, never mind. <laughs> okay, I mean, so it works out I pretty just much. Hope some guy named Steve will write describe him. Okay. <laughs> and finally, the uh, the meat and beans. Does that make sense? The pork and beans. Uh-huh. The beans of the show. Uh, his actual uh, pick for what he wants us to do the one thing we're best at, right? Which is talk about movies. Oh. Um, he wants us to do an '80s throwback show, which we can totally do. I'm wearing my best 80s clothes right now. Don't you um, forget about me. By covering his top three oh. 80s teen slash teen angst movies, uh-huh. um, Say Anything, Pretty in Pink, and The Breakfast Club. That's a pretty um, holy trinity right there. 
It also, yeah, it really is. Um, one of those things is not like the other, though. We'll get yeah. to that, too. Um, and he also uh, wants, you know, he just wants an 80s teen test slash teen angst uh, show in general. So we can cover some of those, too, uh, while we're talking about these three. But because these are your uh, three favorite, Ben, we thought we would talk about them as well. And um, I, I know for Ryan, I don't think you've seen any of these. Um, I had seen, I want to say I'd seen almost right all of Pretty in Pink. Uh, on television, and probably almost all of The Breakfast Club. But I didn't remember much about it until I saw them again. I, I'm the uh, same. Well, I'd seen Breakfast Club in high school, and then I saw it again in college, and I saw it again recently uh, for this, of course. Um, I saw Pretty in Pink for the first time recently. Excuse me. And both of those really just because they were John Hughes. Mm-hmm. And I put off Say Anything because, honestly, it just didn't seem... It was one of those films that I felt like I wouldn't like just on kind of like what it was. And so I, I didn't want to see it and be faced with, the, with having to rate it and you know, judge it by whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, I finally did get around to seeing Say Anything just for this show, so that's just for you, Ben. Man, that's uh, special. Hey, we, yeah, we are better than any coffee mug. That's true. You get us. Get Aren't us. we enough? Um, so you want to start with Breakfast Club then do Pretty Pink Say Anything? Kind Let's of order, do it. I guess I saw then, yeah. So, um, so uh, the Breakfast Club, we, this is, we're getting into sacred territory here, and I'm sure I might get some hate mail after this show. Um, I guess I should just open by saying that. <laughs> Uh, I, don't, I don't know what ground we need to cover on The Breakfast Show, or uh, if anything, maybe Pretty in Pink and Say Anything needs some plot coverage. Well, we can talk about The Breakfast Club. I think it's, first of all, it's the, I would say, the definitive quintessential Brat Pack movie, right? It's oh, got, yes, for sure. It, it pretty much created the uh, Brat Pack. Right. It's, uh, it's got, who does it have? It's got um, uh, Molly Ringwald, Emilio Estevez, Michael. Uh, Anthony Michael Hall, Ali Sheedy, and Judd uh, Nelson, right? And Judd Hirsch was there, too. And Judd Hirsch was also there in a surprising cameo. <laughs> yes, Judd Nelson was there. Um, that great actor, I forget his name, the Mess of the Bulls, get the horn actor. Yeah, he's uh, really good, the guy who plays the good guy. Uh, um, John Hughes himself is in there, too, at one point. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the, that's pretty much it, I think. The janitor guy, I don't know anything about him, though. Right, it's a very um, it's also, a small cast. Good. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it's pretty much, yeah, like set up like a play. Um and the, I could bore you with, I've read everything pretty much there is about John Hughes, so I could bore you with John Hughes stuff all day long, but basically what the studio told him um, that they wouldn't put up much money for him to make a movie, and so the only way he really talked him into it is if he said, hey, look, guys, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll set this all in one location. You don't have to pay much for sets or anything. Um, and I'm almost positive there almost, I think there were no sets for this film. Um, I think it was all done on location at these places. Yeah, I've, I just recently drove by the high schools where they filmed them. Right, right. Um, covering John Hughes' territory there in Chicago, of course. Uh, and then, um, to let him do that, the ironic thing, though, was that, you know, they liked the movie and everything, so they instantly put his next one to production, which was either 16 Candles or Weird Science. I can't believe which one, but it ended up getting released first. Ah. Uh, which is interesting, even though The Breakfast Club really was kind of his first Well, movie. I hope it was Weird Science, because that would be a great contrast. Although it doesn't make much sense, because Anthony Michael Hall looks a lot older in Weird Science. Well, uh, Hughes kind of was always kind of all over the place. It's, um, and there's two, when it comes down to it, there's kind of two sides to John Hughes' film career. There's the adult films, uh, which sound like porn when I sure. say like, uh, and then the teen angst films. Uh, and a lot of them, you know, the teen angst films are kind of written off now as uh, you have The Breakfast Club, which, which it kind of like plays up the jock and the brains and all that stuff. And then you get the other ones that are almost kind of romantic films in a way. So before we get too far, let's just quickly say the plot of The Breakfast Club, which is almost nothing, is basically five kids all from different social cliques in a high school uh, all have to serve detention on a Saturday for different reasons. And the movie is about talking about why they're there, but also about how they are different and how they're similar and whether they actually can be friends or whether their different social status makes it impossible. Right. I agree. Done. 
So, uh, what did you think? Uh, Vince John Hughes, but boring. Um, <laughs> I saw The Breakfast Club in high school when it was supposed to apply to me. Right. Uh, and I, by then, I was already a huge John Hughes fan. And I just kind of like, wait, what, huh? Okay. Eh. Um, I saw it again in college, where I'm like, okay, I'll look back now on The Breakfast Club. I'm even more in the John Hughes now. Let's see what he's got for me. And I was like, eh, okay. And then I saw it again for this show. And I was hoping, and I was maybe like two beers into the movie, right, Ryan? I'm like, this sure. will make it better. It's an 80s fun film, right? But I realized it was, in fact, not an 80s fun film at all. Um, for me, honestly, I think The Breakfast Club is kind of lazy in some ways. Um, it's kind of boring for me in a lot of other ways. But mostly it's a film where nothing interesting really happens. Um, and the dramatic turns towards the end are especially sort of outrageous, I thought. Um, but it, honestly, I guess what it comes down to, it's just not a movie for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've seen everything John Hughes has to offer. I watched Baby's Day Out. I watched Dutch. Mm-hmm. Um, I love career opportunities. If that says anything about me, <laughs> it, it does, but not yeah. what you wanted to. Um, I even saw Nathan Hayes. <laughs> okay. uh, I watched Made in Manhattan just because he had a story credit. Uh-huh. Uh, um, but no, the uh, The Breakfast Club has never been one of my favorite um, John Hughes films. I do respect the film for what it is, uh, and I think there are some absolutely wonderful performances in it. Yeah, and that's why I liked the movie. It's because of the performances. Um, I I would say, yeah, you're right. It's like a play, and there's no interesting plot elements to it. But right. it is, it does have an arc. It's not just one of those movies I rail against where it's all character development, although it's a ton of character development. Yes, but there, the character, um, it's not just like, here's a lot about a character. Like, let's learn about all these characters. It's mm-hmm. the, what we learn about these characters actually creates the arc of the story of them learning to kind of like each other, but then sort of coming to the conclusion of like, I don't know, is it, and there's no real like, solid conclusion, which is actually okay, because it's sort of like, well, we don't think we're actually going to end up being friends, but maybe we will, etc. Uh, you're right, the, the sort of, the way they leave things with a couple of the characters at the end is kind of outrageous. Um, but overall, I thought I liked it a lot. I, I identified to it. I definitely sort of, you know, was able to think back to high school and get some of that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I don't know. I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty funny at times, and I thought, but it's mostly just sort of like check out how good these young actors are. That's uh, true. At being, and they really actors. are. Mm-hmm. And it is funny at times in that John Hughes way. Um, but I, I think the times when it tries to be serious or is serious, I guess I should say, it almost slips into melodrama, in my opinion. Um, and it's not to say the actors are bad. I think a lot of it's just like a lazy script. Um, and it's so like I don't know. Especially towards the end, they just kind of throw this out like, "This is why I'm here." Okay, guys, leave me alone. Um, and then, like, they're instantly laughing the next scene. Like, okay, this is kind of all over the place, John Hughes. Um, and in the end, I feel like nothing is resolved. Uh, and that's, I guess that's not what we expected in this movie. Um, but I, I think with me, just, The Breakfast Club just doesn't click. It's not a movie for me. I do respect The Breakfast Club, and it's, you know, I love it in that kind of nostalgic way, if anything. Uh, but it's not a film. I, after seeing it three times now, I definitely will not be revisiting it. I swear this time. I don't believe you. We'll do an 80s well, like, show not, in two years, and you'll come and back to will. it. Exactly. Uh, no, John Hughes uh, was always the first to say that he was, in fact, a lazy writer, and it's so true. He was actually known for rushing out scripts in a matter of days, and then not worrying about rewrites until he was on the set making the movie. Right. Um, and it definitely shows. Uh, the times I think that it doesn't show are movies like Pretty in Pink, um, because he rushed his script out, he sends it off and whatever, and then he's not involved so much in the in the filmmaking process. Mm-hmm. Um, which comes about in the end of Pretty in Pink. But let's talk about Pretty in Pink first of all. Uh, oh, I guess the rating for uh, Breakfast Club is a five from me. Seven from me. Um, I think that Pretty in Pink... I'm, we're probably going to have a reverse opinion, because I think Pretty in Pink is a much lazier movie. Yeah. Um, but get into okay. it. 
Oh, don't. Oh, wait, do uh, do we need to cover the plot? Well, sure. Reason? Okay, so Molly Ringwald again. Uh, she is an unpopular kid at school. This time, playing the opposite of her character from The Breakfast Club, essentially. Uh, not unpopular. Well, she, unpopular, but basically, you know, white of the loser group versus of the uh, rich, you know, Soshi kind of group. Uh, but she has this crush on this rich guy who ends up having a crush on her, and it's about them kind of deciding whether they can date or whether it's just too awkward because their friends don't get along. Meanwhile, you also have John Cryer as the epitomal ducky, the epitomal best friend, uh, who's also madly in love with Molly Ringwald and uh, is really threatened by the whole situation. Um, first and foremost, let me say that my John Hughes-Molly Ringwald matchup that works, and I think is a great film, Sixteen Candles. Um, I think Sixteen Candles anything, leans more towards uh, the, the John Hughes humor that I love, mm-hmm. uh, which seems to be missing from Breakfast Club and Pretty in Pink. Pretty in Pink, if it, it, that does show up in some ways in Ducky, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I'm glad that character's in there. He's a fun character. Um, Pretty Pink, I think you're right. It's, it's a lazy script, and I think a lot of that is because of the reason I just said. So, you know, he's like, hey, here's, you know, I wrote this in three days. Here you go. And he didn't have a chance to really fine-tune it on, uh, on the set. Um, something interesting about Pretty Pink is that Hughes was not a fan at all of the ending the studio went with. Right. Um, which they decided to do, basically, because they're like, oh, hold on, you're saying that rich kids and poor kids shouldn't mix together at all, but with this ending that you want to do. Uh, and Hughes was so outraged by this that, in typical lazy John Hughes fashion, he pretty much wrote the movie again and made it his way uh, when he did... Um, Some kind of wonderful. Yes, exactly. And this is a recurring thing. He, John Hughes, like Dutch, is pretty much just playing strange and automobiles. Um, I think Reach the Rock or Reach the Summit, whichever that film was called in the uh, early, mid-90s, was pretty much The Breakfast Club Made Again by John Hughes. Mm-hmm. Um, He's done this a few times, actually. Well, I didn't have a problem uh, with the ending, and I wouldn't have probably no, had a problem if it had gone the other way either. I don't think... Mm-hmm. I, that's, no, it's not a make-or-break thing for me. I'm just kind of going to some John Hughes background here. Uh, but no, the film itself is lazy. It's boring a lot of times. Um, if anything, uh, like Ducky's a fun character, and I think there's just enough in there of that not to be annoying in some way mm-hmm. or not to be just a flat-out comedy. Uh, but the extreme of that is that uh, at times I was kind of bored by whatever Molly Ringwald's character was up to. I was uh, always bored by it. In fact, I think that it's so funny that um, Andrew McCarthy, who plays the uh, her rich uh, foil, and she are the most boring characters yeah. in the film. And I, I can't understand really? like, why why no one notices this. Like Andrew McCarthy, I really I usually like him. Honestly, me too. But there's nothing. He brings nothing at all. He's just kind of like slipping through this movie. He's just like, yeah, I like to hang out at record stores. Like, he's not even acting for the most part, seems like, for a lot of it. Right, now, um, now Ducky and uh, Annie Potts, both really interesting. And then James Spader, my favorite character in the film, just because he just walks through it being yeah. a total fucking asshole, and he's yeah. so fun to watch. And Spader was greater than the 80s, and this is a... I'd highly recommend this to anyone who wants that kind of James Spader, because mm-hmm. um, he's, he's a lot of fun to watch this movie. You were exactly right about that. Um, John Cryer is pushing the boundaries as much as he can for this film. Mm-hmm. He does a great job. Um, I thought too. But the point is, uh, the movie hangs on you caring yeah. about their relationship, and I don't even care about them as separate people. Exactly. I think it's. Um, it's really, I, I hate to keep saying this because these are the John Hughes films everyone loves, but it's just lazy. I'm sorry, people. Uh, but Pretty in Pink is another kind of lazy Hughes film. Oh, and, and Harry Dean. Harry Dean Stanton, by the way, also much oh, more interesting than anyone else in the movie. Um, yeah, he really is. There's not enough of him. Um, and I never quite figure out what their relation was in this film. They, they kind of get to it towards the end, but. Um, uh, if anything, this was, I think, John Hughes like, I like that song. I'll make a movie. Yeah. Uh, but no, this is, I guess, if anything, you can, like, everyone calls this John Hughes movie, but yeah, he wrote a script, and that's about it, and they, they even threw out parts of his script. He had nothing to do with the actual directing or production of this film. Mm. Um, maybe, you know, he probably helped with the casting if Molly Ringwald's in there. 
Uh, but no, Pretty Pink's another five from me. Um, I wouldn't completely throw it out, kind of like The Breakfast Club. I think it's there, and a lot of it's a good thing. Um, you know, I enjoyed it in some ways, I guess I can say. Yeah, I think there's a ton of great stuff that happens around the story, but the story itself isn't very good. And he, it's a sort of a challenge to make Molly Ringwald completely uninteresting, but I think this is kind of... Not completely, but just really much less interesting than is required to carry a film. Um, so I gave it a six. I'm telling you, people, 16 Candles is the way to go if you want some some of this like John Hughes slight teen angst drama of Molly Ringwald. Mm-hmm. That's the one to flock to, I think. Um, uh, and if you're in so, Chicago, it's in theaters probably today. If you're listening to this podcast when it came out, they're re-releasing at AMC Theaters. Oh, did you get to go see it? No, it's not out yet. I don't think it'll be. Oh, okay. If it just because we're in the past right now. Um, yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, um, oh, I'd, oh, yeah. One more interesting thing about Pretty in Pink. They just recently, uh, you guys might remember the recent Entertainment Weekly article with uh, Michael J. Fox and Leah Thompson on the front of it. Mm-hmm. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Uh, they got a bunch of cast back together and had them talk about their characters where they'd be now. One of them was the cast of The Breakfast Club. And they had some interesting things to say. Uh, Molly Ringwald says she would felt like uh, her and uh, Andrew McCarthy's character would have broken up almost right after they got back. T- they got together. You mean Judd Nelson? Um, no, no, no. Uh, Pretty in Pink is what I'm talking about. Oh, you said The Breakfast Club. There you go. Oh, I'm sorry. I meant Pretty in Pink, yeah. Breakfast Club is not, no, no. The Breakfast Club class, like, ref, cl- uh, club uh, cast pretty much refuses to get back together. Well, they so, almost all did, except for Esteva. Is it that John yeah. Hughes memorial thing? Well, a lot of them, yeah, had an issue with John Hughes. Yeah. Um, but uh, who who himself described himself as a very boring guy. And if you've ever seen any interview, and Hughes is not like to talk about his movies either. If you've ever seen any interview of Hughes, he's really boring. <laughs> There's nothing at all funny about this guy. He's even boring to look at. Um, but except he's really for that awful. weird mullet. Yeah, right. He, he he rocked that hair though. I have to say. No, Hughes was an incredibly awesome guy. I'm all about some John Hughes. But no, um, uh, no. So they had the Pretty Pink cast together, and she said, you know, they would have broken up right away. Wow, Ducky would have turned out to be gay, uh, which I could actually kind of see. I think. I guess so. Sure. There is the way to take that film if they did decide to make a sequel of some sort. Um, but then finally, the one thing that's not like the other one, uh, other ones that we've uh, we're, we'll stray from John Hughes for a bit, Ryan. Okay. Um, and go to Say Anything. Now, Say Anything was a film that I kind of avoided just on principle uh, because it was an early Cameron Crowe film. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not know James L. Brooks was behind the genesis of this film, though. Makes sense. Uh, kind of interesting. Yeah, it, t- it totally has that Brooks vibe to it as far as his films go. Um, but I, I just, the whole Cameron Crowe thing is kind of beyond me. I, Elizabeth Town was pretty much every uh, romantic film ever made, but mostly it's just Garden State, which is, Garden State itself is every romantic film ever made. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, Almost Famous wasn't huge for me. I'd, like, I'll instantly turn, you know, I'll pull the uh, 16 Candles is the way to go thing by saying that. I did like uh, Fast Times at Richmond High uh, when I was in high school. I thought that was a fun film. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, I think, Cameron Crowe's first film, I think. Um, but no, I kind of didn't say anything. It was like that hipster emo, like, uh, you know, holding the stereo above the head thing. Uh, I felt like it's one of those films I'd seen without actually having to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and I... It's weird because looking at it now, I'm like I always liked John Cusack in the '80s films, so it's weird that I kind of wrote this film off so quickly. I guess I expect this really like drab love story. Um, yeah, it's they, not like you to to do that really. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta remember this is um, John Cusack. He can't play just that like the I'm sad about life character. He he gives this great breathless performance where he goes all out in it. Um, let's but let's uh, cover say anything. I guess say anything is the story of another sort of teen angst movie. Of course, you just said it's basically John Cusack. 
Uh, the last day of high school, everyone's graduating, and he decides he's finally going to talk to this girl he's wanted to talk to for a while, uh, who is the valedictorian of her class, I believe. Uh, really, you know, uh, smart and, and not necessarily popular because she's just always studying, so she doesn't really right. interact that much. But he calls her up, asks her to a party. She's never really gone to a party. They go out, start having fun. Basically, they have this nice sort of casual relationship that's intended to last until she has to go to London for a scholarship. Uh, but, of course, they get more and more involved, and it's sort of like their, their relationship builds, and there's a question as to whether she's going to go or what's going to happen. And all of this is set into the backdrop of some angst going on with her uh, family life, where her father, played expertly by John Mahoney, yes. um, is, uh, is uh, in trouble with the IRS. So basically, a weird side plot, I think. It is. And like at first I was like, what is this even doing in this movie? Then the more you go, it's like, wow, this is becoming really important. And it's done so well. And I think that's actually what really makes the movie work is that there is a believable – because one of these – all these movies where it's like, oh, I, I love you, but I don't know. Should we be together? Maybe we'll break up. It's always just because of like, oh, some weird – nebulous reason that doesn't make any sense. It's not particularly believable. But this is like, there's a hardcore reason why she's like, I don't think we should be together anymore because my dad's going to get arrested any second. Right. Um, and I think that John Mahoney really is the glue for this movie. I think it could easily get just a little bit boring if it was just all this relationship angst stuff. But you cut back to to him as, as the father, and he's trying to support his daughter and, you know, uh, going through this very difficult thing. And then Cusack's reaction to him and his reaction to Cusack, who he doesn't like, really makes the movie work for me. Well, I agree. It does make the movie work, but I don't think there's enough of, enough of it, oddly enough. Um, I think that it's it doesn't quite have this the relationship angst because they seem fine with each other. They uh, it's I thought okay why you know she's not gonna like him and he's gonna go they're gonna go out she's gonna find out he's like this kind of extreme party animal but not but they actually kind of click right away and they get together right away too and they seem happy for a long time um, and then you know her dad gets audited or whatever um, and I'm like okay how does this exactly affect their relationship. Uh, it seems more like then you still, you still have the same thing going on where her dad's like, hey, listen, you got you got to go to London, so you might as well just forget about this guy. Um, and the tax thing doesn't really come into play until almost the very end of the film, because uh, she doesn't. She's like, okay, my dad's getting arrested. I don't. I guess I have to break up with you, but I don't quite know why I have to break up with you because my dad's getting arrested. If anything, I feel like I'd want someone to have someone there with me while I'm going through this hard stuff. But um, it's kind of odd in that way. No, see that. Uh, they, I, I disagree. I think it works because she really likes her dad, and she knows that her mom left her dad, right? Mm -hmm. So she doesn't want to leave him again. She doesn't want to leave him like her mom did during this really difficult time. Even before it gets super intense, that's still, I think, what, the, what they're trying to say with that, which I liked. But she, I, 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 feel, I understand that, but she doesn't seem to be leaving him at all. It seems like she can do both worlds and, like, at the same time and be okay with that. Um, but also, she, he wants her to leave him, though? He's like, yeah, go to London, even though I might be arrested by that point. Right, I mean, but she still feels like she shouldn't, even though he's telling her. Right, to go. right. Uh, so, yeah, there's some. those are all plot points, though, and that's okay for what's worth. Um, I think the film kind of gets bogged down that, if anything, towards the end. They go through the whole breakup thing, and then for me, it kind of dried up for a bit. Because um, there's nothing too interesting going on there, and then the whole insurance thing is pretty much done. Uh, or I'm sorry, insurance. The whole audit IRS thing is done quickly. There's like, and that's you know that it's really just one scene, pretty much of their lawyers meeting or whatever, and that's that. Um, and the ending's kind of cool too. And I felt like that was a, I don't know. Yeah, I mean that that the I would say the climax of it is is brief, but I feel like it it, it was earned. I don't feel like it was just out of nowhere. Well, if I like this movie for any real reason, uh, it's for John Cusack's 
breathless, just like straightforward performance, especially in the uh, early part of the film. Yeah. Uh, when he's trying to get the girl. It's really awesome. Oh, yeah. Um, and he's he funny, too. That. He's very funny. He does kind of lose that, though, once they go through the whole breakup thing. I guess, for me, that's, like I said, that's why I dried up. Um, but, I don't know. I like to say anything more than The Breakfast Club and Pretty Pink, which I did not expect at all. I didn't expect that either, actually. I, I knew this was going to be probably just an okay, you know, an okay 80s, like, teen movie that I would just sort of enjoy and, you know, not have to think about. But I didn't expect to, to have, you know, these great performances, which I thought Cusack and, and John really Mahoney did. were both really, really good. And both really good in different ways. Like, I didn't expect Mahoney's character to even play a big part. I thought he was just going to be sort of a, a random, you know, a dad. Um, but he really did, and that really, I thought, infect, affected the main story of the romance, uh, interestingly. Um, so, you know, I, I liked it a lot. And I, the whole, the, the standard stuff about, you know, uh, them breaking up and him feeling terrible about it and all that stuff seems to work uh, as well. It does, because it's um, Cusack for the most part. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that's funny, though, because I hadn't seen Say Anything, and I, I did know about the holding up the boombox scene. It's so mm-hmm. iconic. It's so funny how short and unimportant that is. It really is. It seems almost like an afterthought. Like, you know, we need something to fill here, so why don't we just throw that in? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure um, it didn't feel that way at the time, because otherwise it wouldn't have become iconic, but I guess I'd built it up so much in my mind, I expected it right. to be more. Um, but, you know, it was a good scene. But even she seems kind of just blown off by it. Well, that's like, why, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's why it doesn't, it's not affecting, because she doesn't even react right, right. to it. Um, but no, it is a good scene. It's a good film, I think. Uh, I'd recommend Say Anything. In fact, I did. And, you know, we're actually doing this show on Valentine's. I think, you know, uh, Say Anything and Pink, Pretty and Pink would be two good Valentine films. I agree. Um, but anyway, no, no, I like to say anything, and I give it a six in the end, which is much higher than I would have thought I'd be saying during this show. I gave it a seven. So it all works out in the Indeed. end. Um, any other 80s uh, slash teen, teen X movies you like, Ryan? Well, we talked about, uh, or you mentioned Weird Science, which is probably one of my favorite 80s movies. Uh, of all time, uh, very good, very good Anthony Hall, Anthony Michael Hall performance. Yes. Um, funny all the way through. It's definitely one that I saw multiple times as a kid because I liked it so much. Um, Ferris Bueller is a classic. Yes, Ferris Bueller is a good one. See, you and I, I think, tend to flock more towards the John Hughes, more over the top uh, teen films, if anything, not the kind of melodrama ones. Definitely, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, Ferris Bueller is, is really good. You're right about that. Uh, we've talked um, about Adventures in Babysitting before. Not the same, yes. quite quite the same genre, but it's about the same sort of feel to the comedy, you know? It's a fun teen uh, 80s movie, yeah. Yeah, that's, those are probably my favorites. Um, teen Wolf is out there. Oh, yeah, of course, Teen Wolf. Um, I, I think it'd be hard not to mention that. You know, even Teen Wolf 2, I find myself kind of watching it just because it's on the same disc. What can I say? Yeah, well, yeah. Um, I, no, I wouldn't throw out there as one of my favorites or anything. Yeah. Teen um, Wolf fact, is I, great, though. Yeah, no, Teen Wolf is a great film. Um, and I don't know if you can count Back to the Future as a teen movie or not. I wasn't. I mean, of course, Back to the Future is probably one of my favorite movies of all time. Right, right, of course. Yeah, th- I think, yeah, we don't want to stray too far just in the 80s films here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think our all-time, fa- I don't know if I, if I can speak for you on this one, but I feel for the most part I can speak for us. Um, maybe our all-time favorite teen uh, film, a film dealing, dealing with teen issues in the 80s is uh, Better Off Dead. I like um, Better Off Dead a lot. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I, I think Better Off Dead has several problems as a film, um, but the film is just so out there and so funny and so mm-hmm. over the top that it's easy to just ignore all those and have a great time with it. Totally. Um, and it has the whole, uh, you know, I gotta get this girl thing going on, or my girlfriend left me so I'm gonna kill myself thing going on too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but it's dealt with in, I think, ways that you and I appreciate more. <laughs> right, and it's got the classic, you know, ski competition scene. Yes, which is amazing. But no, I, I really do enjoy Better Off Dead. I'd probably rate that as my favorite 80s teen film. Awesome. Yeah, I think probably Weird Science. If you're going to say strictly teen film, Weird Science probably wins for me. 
Weird Science is a fun one, and that's uh, you know, Weird Science of these film, all these '80s teen films we just talked about. Weird Science, is, I think, is the one that works when you're before you're even a teenager. Yeah, um, it's a lot of fun then, and then after you become a teenager and after you hit puberty and everything, you like it for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, Very different reasons. <laughs> but no, it's a fun film as well. And you got uh, early Bill Paxton in there too. Oh yeah, that's right. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing, nothing wrong with early nothing Bill wrong Paxton. With that. Uh, but yeah, so Ben, I hope that we lived up to your expectations and we delivered. And thank you for saying to the world that I do, in fact, rock the jukebox. Actually, I think my favorite 80s teen movie is Alien. It's too late. Oh, damn it.